and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is in the building. Penny, how are you doing, man? It is St. Patrick's Day in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm doing great. We have the NCAA tournament. It's not even around the corner. It's, it's within mere hours, what we've been waiting for for over a year. So life is good around these parts. We love St. Patrick's Day in this household particularly because it's when my wife and i started dating was on saint patrick's day so what a a natural love story of saint patrick's day right very important uh to note the importance of saint patrick's day in my life certainly so i had something i wanted to ask you about beforehand before we like really dived into this my brain is scattershot at the moment i've got nba trade deadline stuff (laughs) i interviewed pieces yeah i interviewed Cade cunningham uh, for a piece earlier today, I did the mock draft for Tuesday. Uh, I had a couple things go live on Monday about Houston and about uh, something else. I can't even remember. So I- I've had like six pieces run already this week. I might have to write about the PJ Tucker thing that just happened as we're recording. Um, but Matt, I mean, how-, how are things going on your end out- outside of the St. Patrick's Day life? I mean, I'd imagine that you can't really get into the St. Patrick's Day shenanigans given the fact that no, it's a, it's uh, you, you have a child I, I know that you were watching your child earlier tonight uh, i was watching my child it, it's a little different uh I, I did my best to pull up the scene from the wire when they have the the irish funeral in the bar to get myself fired up but you know you, you got to be locked in for the pod first we'll celebrate after but it, it's a lot different than going out in south boston and i don't think anyone's gone out for a long time so when the restrictions are are lifted i think we'll get our our fair share of celebrations in but not quite yet yeah, I'm interested to see like if there is a if there is a St. Patrick's Day vibe here in Australia. Like I, I don't even know, to be honest. Is, it, is so. it technically not St. Patrick's Day yet there? Oh no, it's absolutely like, I think it's past St. Patrick's Day. I think it's the eighteenth. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can never keep up. Yeah. yeah your your hours are always so so funky. And the yeah, and your wife then, you record on the day you started dating is also a credit to her too. Well yeah, and on top of that, um, daylight savings just happened so now we're like an hour past there and i think like another daylight savings happens soon i don't know like i'm all thrown off in terms of time like worst possible time for any of this to happen like with the ncaa tournament and shit because i just have no idea what time it is at any point right now <laughs> well you just you, you plow through zombie mode and you look at the tip times even the first four i mean it's probably like nine in the morning for you but the the last tip's like nine fifty seven tomorrow or today whatever this post of michigan state ucla and you just know that it never starts on time it's always like 20 minutes later and you just gotta lock in for a few weeks and, and get through it oh and like here's the other thing too like the ncaa tournament schedule like i mean virginia tech florida is the first game on friday i mean I'll, i will have to wake up for that i think at three o'clock <laughs> see that's like that's the downside yeah yeah um and i will wake up for that three o'clock like if it was um if they had done like a 116 game because drexel illinois is in that window right like if if the first game was drexel illinois i wouldn't have woken up for that but we've got virginia tech florida colgate arkansas utah state texas tech in that first window i probably will watch both of those like all three of those games to be honest yeah, it's an early window, but it's uh, it's still got to be exciting, regardless of what coast or shoreline you're on. It's it's one of the exceptions where you got to wake up and do it. So today on the show, we're going to talk about just early entrance real quick. Um, we'll probably do like a recurring quick segment at the top on early entrance into the NBA draft. And then we're going to talk about some of the like 
Matt wanted to talk about some of the coaching changes, uh, particularly Indiana um, across college basketball. And then finally, the majority of this podcast is going to be about the NCAA tournament and doing a prospect preview for the NCAA tournament games that you have to watch. Um, We're actually going to do that in terms of windows. So like the first window is Virginia Tech, Florida, Colgate, Arkansas, Drexel, Illinois, um, Utah State, Texas Tech here in the first round. Um, I I liked that idea to do it by windows because I figured it'd be a nice, easy way for people to follow the schedule of the tournament. Um, and kind of know like, Hey, this is when these guys are playing. Plus in addition, the pods play in the same window for the most part. So, um, Hartford Baylor plays in the same or no, it's, um, Colgate, Arkansas plays in the same window as like Utah, Texas Tech. No, they don't. That's a lie. Well, I don't know. I'm all fucked up. We'll figure it (laughs) out. We might do it by region. Yeah, as long as you tell me about region, because like you said, windows. I'm like, I don't know how to do this by windows, so just yell out region while we're, we're here. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, scratch that. We're going to do it by region. I'm a fucking idiot. We are back. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so <laughs> the first thing on. here yeah. we want to talk about is Isaiah Jackson declaring for the draft. So Isaiah Jackson has decided to declare for the draft, but test the waters first. And over at The Athletic, Kyle Tucker said he wants to be a lottery pick. Uh, I believe he tweeted that um goodman has said he has not closed the door regarding uh returning to college i'm intrigued by this like i it is one of those weird situations where when you talk to people outside of kentucky throughout the year they were like oh yeah i'm sure isaiah is gonna go but then when you talk to people inside of kentucky it was more that they were not convinced that that was the case so th- this kind of falls into them not being convinced that this is not the case. Uh, I will be very intrigued to see what Isaiah Jackson does. Like this was a, I don't want to say it was like a full on curveball, but it was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? It was like a changeup. I think more than curve. Yeah, B- because we've we've talked about it, and he started off well. We kind of threw him in the mock really early on, then kind of returned back to the middle there. Played 16 minutes against Notre Dame. Played 15 minutes against North Carolina. This is back in December. And then he popped back up toward the end of the year. Six of his last seven games were in double figures. He looked, I mean, he's always athletic, but he's blocking more shots, running the floor a little bit more. There's different mock drafts that have him in that, like, 20 range. So I wasn't surprised that he declared and, and said to test the waters. I don't know if I'd say he's a, a lottery lock. and That would be a little bit bold for me, for my taste. But it'd be hard-pressed to say he's going to get out of the 20s. I, I don't think I'm going crazy there i mean my only hesitation with him is he was over two from three and positionally i mean where do you put him is he a just athletic four that runs around and defends multiple spots if he's a five can he oh no he has to be a five has to be a five all right then then if we're going to stretch the four and be a five then he's got to shoot some threes and be able to hit some shots and we just haven't seen enough of that yet well, here's the thing, though. Like, if he's a four, like, he has to shoot. Like, if he's a five, right, you can at right. least run him as, like, a rim runner, right? I mean, if he's four, then you re- then he really has to shoot. And that gets a bit concerning to me. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like I was a little bit lower, like, on Isaiah throughout the year. I know that, like, ESPN has had him, like, right around the edge of the lottery the whole season. I think they have him, like, firmly in the lottery right now. Um I have him more around the 20 mark right now, kind of like what you said. 
I'd be surprised if he got out of the first round. Bigs just always have a wider window. I think he's firmly in the mix to be the second big drafted uh, behind Evan Mobley. Uh, I would throw Usman Garuba. I would throw Kai Jones. I would throw yeah, yeah. Alperen Sangoon. I would throw in, uh, throw who, who's the last one I'm missing. Among the Char, maybe like later. Dayron Sharp, yeah, I think I, I would. Dayron Sharp, he's not going to be second, but I'm saying like you know he, he's going to be in the mix a little bit. I, I wouldn't be stunned if Dayron Sharp was the second big taken. To be honest, well, I'd be like, a little surprised. I, I don't, I don't have him there, but I don't think I'd be like totally shocked if a team thinks that like oh his passing and like ball handling ability and dexterity is what we want uh, from a big. But in the case of Isaiah. Early in the season, showcased all sorts of crazy athleticism. Middle of the season, didn't really take the growth that you expect in terms of like positional defense and in terms of um, being able to stay on the court without fouling a ton. Like he fouled out of back-to-back games against UNC and Louisville playing 15 and 21 minutes, right? Um really had foul problems against Arkansas in that high up-tempo attack. I think he had four fouls in that game. He fouled out against Arkansas as well. Another high up-tempo, like, you know, tough tough teams to deal with, right? And he fouled out of three games late in the season as well. Uh, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Having said that, he was really good in his last seven games, let's call it. Uh, averaged 13.3 points, seven rebounds, two blocks, while also getting a steal per game and just like finishing all over the place. The reason that I think he's a five is he doesn't really shoot it right now. And then also, more than that even, doesn't have great feel. Uh, 18 to 38 assist to turnovers this year, so one to two not really a great decision maker with the ball. I think it's going to take time for him to like really figure out where his reads are. I think he's more of like a Clint Capella E big than he is a, um, like even a potential four or five. I, I don't, I think he's like a pure five at the uh, next level and that's okay. You can be that, but, um, those guys are just like, you know, 10% less valuable in today's NBA, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's very slender, too. So if yep. we're saying he's a five, he's going to have to put on weight just because we, we've talked about it ad nauseum, the size and athleticism of NBA fives. And also to add what you're saying, he's playing 20, 25 minutes a game. He still had four fouls against Tennessee in 21 minutes and four fouls against Florida in 16 minutes. If you're going to be an energy guy off the bench, you don't want three or four quick fouls and putting guys in the free throw line either and like getting NBA bigs comfortable and, and some free points. How much yep. of this do you think, and, and I don't want to read too far crazy into this, is we talked about Kentucky's recruiting class a little bit and Oscar Shibway transfer from West Virginia. You have Damian Collins coming in. Is it going to be a logjam a little bit up front, too, where he's playing maybe 20 minutes? Even this better run here is playing 23 minutes, I think you said. Is this kind of like the best showcase stuff he's going to have? And going back, would he even let's say he goes 20th. If he came back next year, like, I don't think he's going to end up 10th on a mock draft to start the year. I mean, he might be, but I don't think that the financial value of going 10th in 2022 versus 20th in 2021 is better because you get to free agency quicker by entering the draft in 2021 and you get the extra year of earning potential down the road. Like, I think that it's much more valuable to go 20th in 2021 than it is to go 10th. Like, if you can jump up to 4th or 5th, right? Or if you're Corey Kispert going from 38th to 11th, 
like that's much more valuable but I don't think that there's like an enormous difference here. Now the question is like, the real question is, is he ready? Like, is he emotionally in terms of maturity? Like, is he ready to deal with having to be a professional and have that mindset, having that, you know, ability to just go in and do the job that he has to do. That's what it comes down to, to me at the end of the day, if he can do that, then yeah, go. Like, I think that he should go. If not, I think it's a smart choice to maybe chill, sit back, think, and, you know, figure out, is it better for me to be in college for another year? Because I'm not ready and I might kind of pigeonhole myself as a guy who is just not an NBA player at this point. Yeah, I think he should probably go because i don't think the feedback's going to be all right you're 35th you go back next year you're going to be 15th like cory kispert has shot it so well for the whole time he was at gonzaga but even more so now with a better team it's a bigger microscope and sometimes when when prospects have a bigger microscope you start nitpicking stuff with cory kispert is like the antithesis of that it was like the opposite it's like oh we've kind of like missed this for a while here isaiah jackson will start to be well can he shoot threes at all he, he's a little bit slim here uh, his plus minus and, and I have in front of me and we talked about this when Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark were still in the mix for top 10 like initially Kentucky was better with him not on the floor so the longer guys have to dig into that and, and poke holes in your game the more likely you are to slide in this draft we've talked about how uncertain it is really after pick number five so a betting man I'd say it's probably in his best interest to go if he gets enough feedback saying he's a first round pick yeah I mean, even, yeah, top 25, I think he should go. Um, top, if he, like, I know he wants lottery. If he gets top 20, I think it'd be uh, surprising to return at the end of the day. Um, and you mentioned the on off numbers. Uh, by the end of the year, he was, like, by far Kentucky's biggest positive driver of play. Uh, like, not even in question. They were 12 points better offensively and nine points better defensively when he was on the court. They were 21 points per 100 possessions better when he was on the court than when he was off the court. Uh, for reference, that means they were 10 points better, 10.6 points better than their opposition when he was on the court, and they lost the minutes where he was off the court by 10.5 points per 100 possessions so and this all comes via pivot analysis um who is a really great uh does a really great tracking does a really great job tracking all of this on off stuff um yeah by far their biggest driver of positive play and i I don't even know if he can do that next year like I, i think he's like i think he's a top 20 pick um, in this upcoming NBA draft, I think he's going to end up being something similar to Clint Capella at the NBA level. I, I, I would happily take the time to develop him um, somewhere in the 15 to 25 range. Yeah, 25. I mean, look, if it's if it's Clint Capella, like we're we're celebrating here for an NBA team, if that's who he nets out at. I don't, I don't know if his ceiling's as high and you have to shore up the fouls make some threes, put on a little bit of weight and show you can do more than, than just kind of like run and jump offensively. Yeah. Um, okay. You wanted to talk a little bit about the Indiana job. Tell me why Brad Stevens is going to take the Indiana job. <laughs> it's St. Patrick's Day in Boston. Can we not talk about that? I, I looked for about five minutes in his contract and I, I just like stopped. I had like three windows open. I'm like, what am I doing? Like he's, he's not going there. Like if Brad Stevens left the Celtics, he could have his pick of 20 NBA jobs Unless there's some like pull to to go back to the hometown and 
I know Mark Titus has really played it up uh, extensively about going to, to coach the Hoosiers. I, I don't. I just don't see it. And I'm not even saying this as like a Celtics fan. I'm just seeing it as like a an outsider looking at the job. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, if if I was Stevens, I would rather stay in the NBA. But you know, may, maybe there is that like intense home pool. I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know Brad Stevens like that. You know what I mean? So who, no, who the fuck? Unfortunately, knows? I don't either. He's not. He's not coming over later to celebrate St. Patty's together. But <laughs> it, it was more for me that I just loved. Like Indianapolis as a city has crafted this bubble, this this total immersive experience, good, bad, and different, to make sure the NCAA tournament happens. Get guys in hotels, they're running around AAA ballparks, getting their daily exercise in. In Indiana, it just like crashes the party and like, hold on, like we're the biggest show in town. Archie Mill is fired, and we're gonna hire somebody. So <laughs> it was just like somebody showed up and crashed the thing. Like you love those guys, you don't want to hear it now. I just saw it as how much it had to kill Indiana that the Big Ten really is like the talk of the town, the country, and they aren't even in the mix. You have Michigan and Illinois more or less split the Big 12 championship between the tournament and regular season. We can split hairs about win percentage like Brad Underwood and those guys did. Iowa has a national player year in Luka Garza. Ohio State and Illinois go to overtime, and I would say one of the best games of the year in Indiana, in Lucas Oil Stadium, in your home state in the Big Ten Championship. Purdue has 18 wins. Wisconsin has 18 wins. Rutgers has had this program resurgence during the tournament. Even Michigan State figures out late has uh, a play in the game. Maryland's had their moments, and they're in the tournament. And now the rest of the league is Indiana, Penn State, Northwestern, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So including Indiana, three of those teams have fired their coach. And kind of as a Hoosier fan, you have to think you're still kind of miles away from the top of the pack right now. Oh, and here's the other thing, too. Uh, you brought up Purdue having 18 wins. That Purdue team next year is going to be top five in the country entering the Oh, year. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, agreed. Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Trevion Williams, um, Mason Gillis, and uh, who's the other? Brandon Newman's the other wing. Um, Ethan Morton, shout out Pittsburgh. Uh, I think, <laughs> shout out Butler County. There it is. If I remember Easter correctly. Egg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, going to be an unbelievable team next year like i very if i find 2022 odds as soon as the 2021 season ends and purdue is anything over 20 to 1 i will probably bet them to win the title well you bet about four or five different teams but yeah that that's a that's a safe pick it, hey i've only I, just, I think i've only got three and yeah, one of them's already alabama. eliminated oh. i have alabama six seven to one i have gonzaga nine to one preseason and we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna go into the third one <laughs> okay i'm sure it's in the state of kentucky we'll put it that way it's one it's, of the uh, two. yeah it's it's just in that lexington town um okay. you know well, could have been the louisville town yeah. no it wasn't louisville although i did like that louisville team as well um yeah no, no that was a that was a bad one uh but all that matters is if i win gonzaga nine to one then i still win uh what is it seven units yeah that's all that matters we're good oh just a light seven okay well i we we see this now and i just i'm not against guys being bought out and and paying exorbitant amounts of money but with a 10 million dollar buyout and i'm sorry philanthropic buyout as the press release stated to relieve archie miller's duties i just hope you have a plan like we we talked about brad stevens and and he said on uh zolak and bertrand the other day that he's he's happy he's he's not going anywhere we've seen things change but i don't think so then you have names floated like chris beard and scott drew like Chris Beard makes $4.6 million a year is extended in 2019 with a six-year contract. 
through 2024-25. The deal at the time announced a $3 million buyout. Scott Drew makes roughly $3 million a year in Waco, where he's rebuilt the program, reimagined his recruiting philosophy, considered favorite of the Final Four. Like, are you leaving there? Like, Nate Oates' buyout is $12.5 million. So, who's, like, the guy? You're paying $10 million to start over, which, which is okay, but, like, who's the guy? Yeah, I mean, like, a good example of this is um, uh, Iowa State, right? Like, Right, right. They had a plan. They knew. They knew. They hired or fired Steve Prom and they hired TJ Otzelberger the next day. They knew that that was the direction they were going to go. So, if you're Indiana, you got to know, like, 1,000%. If you are going to find, like, you can't just go into this being like, oh, yeah, uh, we're going to interview John Beeline, and then we're going to interview Chris Beard and Scott Drew, and, um, you know, we're going to try and seal Brad Stevens and Tony Bennett, and then if those guys work, we're going to throw our hands up because we don't know what our next options are. Um, right. uh, yeah, Most it just doesn't... Porter Mosier, yeah, like, it, it's... Uh, and maybe they do, right? It's like maybe we're just idiots like throwing out dumb ideas and, and they have their name. It's already done. They're waiting three weeks. But it's it's similar to, you know, I, and Mick Cronin's done a great job at UCLA, what he's been able to do, do there quickly. But I remember that search was similar. It's like, okay, what about Tony Bennett? What about Jay Wright? What about – it's like, okay, so this didn't happen like beforehand. Can we, um, by the way <laughs> – uh, I really need Brad Stevens to take this Indiana job because I need. <laughs> he, he, he can take it. I think it's great for college basketball if he does. It's staying for the Celtics. He's an unbelievable coach. Uh, I know we, we've been up and down here this year. It, it would be great for college basketball. It goes back. I will at least admit that. I, I need it for Titus to take just the most epic victory lap across the college basketball media folks. Um, do you remember that episode of South Park where Randy Marsh had to like put his balls like into a wheelbarrow? Like wheelbarrow, yeah, yeah. Th- I that's did that what, way too quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this would be like uh, if it, it, it's the Vince McMahon <laughs> gif of him like doing that strut, kind of like Conor McGregor walking out of the curtain. It's just like that, and you can implant his face on him. This is this is what I need in my life. Uh, if brad stevens takes the indiana job please please um do something illogical brad stevens i need it um okay we're gonna take a quick commercial break uh, and then we're gonna talk about the ncaa tournament here we're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in june i need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in. 
creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Let's jump into this bracket. We're going to talk about the NBA prospects in this NCAA tournament. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive um, to an extent. I mean, we're not going to be on here for more than like 40 minutes, 40 more minutes, I don't think. Um, but we're going to do it by region. So we're going to start with Gonzaga. Gonzaga obviously has Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy, Joe Ayayi, Corey Kispert. Um, those are the four. I think like maybe we can mention Andrew Nimhard just like on the kind of back burner here. Uh, I don't think he'll be going pro this year necessarily. Um, they play Norfolk state or Appalachian state. They don't really have anyone. And then in the second round in their pod, it would be one of Oklahoma or Missouri. Oklahoma has Austin Reeves, who I think is like a pretty interesting prospect. Uh, they have Devion Harmon, who's not going to be able to play in these games right. because he has COVID. Um, I, there's no one else really on Oklahoma that like strikes me as a potential NBA player this year. Uh, at Missouri, I'm partial to Drew Smith personally as their best prospect, but I know some people like Xavier Pinson a little bit more. Um, th- those are the two guys. Jeremiah Tillman, I don't really see him as an NBA prospect necessarily. Gets to the foul line a bunch. Uh, super tough. Miss, yeah. Great offensive rebounder, um, really good defender, but just not really an NBA player. Do you remember the Mark Smith thing, by the way, uh, when he was coming out? Like, baseball player. People people were so excited about him. He was like a baseball player who last second decided to play basketball in college. And there was like a big recruiting race between Illinois and Missouri for him. Uh, okay. That, yeah. What, three years ago? Or is it longer? Uh, three or four, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Mark Smith, unfortunately not an NBA player. Um, <laughs> remember him? Yeah, he's out. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. But do any of those guys, uh, stand out? Any of those guys you want to talk about? Uh, any of the Gonzaga, Missouri, Oklahoma guys? Don't necessarily stand out. It, you had a good tweet the other day that it, it seemingly, I, I think based by seed line, I would say that Gonzaga has quote unquote, the, the easiest path, not an easy path, but I'm saying like the easiest path to get to the final four. Is that right? 
Yeah, I think that that's right. Yeah, so you're, you'll have opportunities to, to kind of get into the bench a little bit and see probably less of, of Suggs and Kispert early, but I am kind of hopeful, anticipating, excited to see how they now react to you're out of the West Coast Conference. They kind of had that late scare in the WCC Championship game to BYU. They bounced back. Jalen Suggs was awesome late. It's like now you're going to have uh, an even bigger target on your back Jalen Suggs being discussed as potentially a top two pick. It's how much does that change your game now that really like the the world is is watching you and not just the college basketball nerds staying up way past their bedtime to catch a West Coast game. Yeah, no question. Um, in terms of the other two teams, I'll just bring up Austin Reeves. Uh, there are some NBA folks who think Austin Reeves is like pretty undervalued because they think he's going to shoot it at the next level uh over the last two years he shot like 28 percent from three but a lot of those i think it's like 85 percent of his shots come off of pull-ups and that's just not going to happen at the nba level it wichita state in 2017 2018 when he was there starting his career he hit 51% from three his first year, 42.5% from three his second year. And he was in more of like a spot-up role. I think it was something like 55% of his shots, 60% of his shots came directly off the catch in those scenarios. And he was much better. So if you can find a way to kind of mesh the two things of his game, where he's become a really good creator and smart with ball in hand at six foot five, and then additionally can bring the shooting back from Wichita... That's like a pretty interesting second round pick, I think. Interesting second round pick. I mean, you do have to look at the totals too. And each Wichita State is a freshman. He only took fifty five three pointers. His, his sophomore year took one hundred twenty seven. This year he's down to to ninety eight. I mean, the guy's not afraid of the moment. I mean, that that game going back and forth was against Oklahoma State. Yeah, he, with he's like, back and forth with Cade. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he wants to to go back and forth, but it's like how do you kind of put all that together and, and know that the usage is going to be so much lower and are you going to be able to defend? But I like him. He's tough. He rebounds. He passes the ball a little bit, and he wants the ball when the game's on the line too. I mean, he's had multiple, multiple games throughout the season where shot clock's winding down, scoreboard's winding down, and he wants to be the one that makes decisions. Okay, next pod. Creighton, UCSB. Creighton has Marcus Zagorowski, uh, Denzel Mahoney, uh, Christian Bishop, anyone else? That, uh, Mitch Ballack, I actually kind of like both more yes. than Bishop and Mahoney. Uh, Damian Jefferson has yeah. gotten some like here and there publicity as well. I, I I don't think like, really, I think all of those guys should go back. Maybe Ballack should leave, but I think everyone there should just go back to school. Uh, UCSB is interesting. Kind of a high major transfer haven that uh joe pasternak has kind of cultivated Corey mclaughlin started his career uh at oregon state before going to ucsb uh miles norris started his career at oregon deverell ramsey uh started his career at nevada but was like kind of a high level recruit at one point um the only guy that like is here that was not necessarily uh a super high level recruit who like makes a big impact for them uh, is uh, Amadou So, and he is uh, their second best player behind McLaughlin. Even like Josh Pierre Louis went to Temple. I don't really see any of these guys as NBA prospects to you. Maybe McLaughlin uh, would be a summer league guy to me. Yeah, the I think you might have had Mitch Ballack as like outside looking in your shooters column. Yeah, 
I make that up. I mean, he's a 40% shooter from three, and if he's clicking and playing well, they're winning when he gets going, and he can pull up off a movement, and they're especially dangerous that way. I remember watching the Seton Hall game early in the year where he, like, backbreakingly pulled up from, like, half court in the flow of the offense and covered the, the game, like, late, and I, I couldn't believe what was happening. Uh, he's only four of 19 in the Big East tournament from three, but if Creighton goes, it, it's kind of like, by the way, if Mitch, I've always liked Marcus Zagorowski's game, tough, smaller, gritty guard. We'll be reminded a lot that he's a brother of Orlando Magic guard Michael Carter-Williams. Probably not probably not anywhere we need to really dive into deeply. But the, the fun Creighton nugget is, have you seen the, the Warren Buffett office pool? No. So billionaire Warren Buffett owns Berkshire Hathaway. His office pool gives $100,000 to the employee with the most wins before a loss. $1 million if you get all first-round games right. $1 million a year for life if you get the first and second round right. Why I mention this now is because Warren Buffett's hometown is Omaha, Nebraska, home of Creighton, and he has announced if Creighton reaches the Final Four, all those prizes will double. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good for Warren Buffett. Yeah, so, <laughs> we got to find a way to consult for them. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, our dream. Yeah, that's that's the that's the next sponsor. UCSB, you, like you said it, it's kind of like this transfer U model for success. Jordan Laughlin, fifty three percent of the field, forty four from three, ninety percent for a free throw line, averaging seventeen points per game. I, I've liked Jacory for a long time. He came to Reebok camp back in like two thousand fifteen, so he's he's been in college for a while. Miles Norris, former national top seventy five recruit, also went to Rooster Academy. Stretch four or five, ability to shoot from three. I'm I'm not really there as a as a pro guy, but like you said, Joe Pasternak has done a fantastic job there. He's 88 and 33 in four years. Never first, sorry, never finished worse than tied for second in the league. Let's go to Virginia, Ohio. Virginia has Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy as your like super lights out shooter guys. Uh, Jay Huff is a really, really good rim protector who can also step away and knock down 40% from three. And, Right now, that's about all they have. Like, you could sell me on Casey Morsell long-term, maybe. You could maybe sell me on Reese Beekman way down the road. Um, maybe way down the road on Jabri Abdur-Rahim. I, I think that more than anything, though, it's the three guys, Trey Murphy, Jay Huff, Sam Hauser. Uh, Murphy, by far, the most interesting guy there. Against Ohio, though, I don't think they're going to have the best player on the court because Jason Preston is going to be the best player on the court in this game. And he has been unbelievable uh, this season. 59 true shooting percentage, 38 assist rate, 40% from three. I think he's averaging 17, 8, and 8. Just all around a really, really good point guard at 6'4", who's going to cause a lot of problems for Kia Clark, I think, due to his size. Um any, anyone else, anyone in that game that you really want to talk about here uh, is being interesting. Yeah, we talked about Trey Murphy a little bit at the end of the last one, but he's kind of entered the chat of, of NBA draft conversations and intriguing. I mean, the, the shots there, you want him to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, we don't know how Virginia's going to kind of come out and play because they're not even getting there until Friday. They practice Friday morning in Charlottesville because of some quarantine and, and COVID issues. So, the conditioning thing may play a factor in this too and they want to slow it down i mean they're ranked 357th out of 357 teams in adjusted tempo which is possessions per 40 and ohio ranks 29th in adjusted offensive efficiency which is points scored per 100 like you said a lot of it is because of preston dynamic point guard i like his flair sometimes can be a, a little bit too much 
Uh, 59% from the free throw line is kind of weird, considering shooting 41% from three. Loves that pick and roll, be able to play with the defender, what he gives them. From an NBA perspective, you're, you're kind of still on board with just uh, a little slow and kind of relies on his hesitations. Uh, I like his size. Like you said, it'll, it'll be a, a problem for Clark, but he needs to tighten his hand a little bit and be able to knock down his free throws. Yeah, in that vein, too, the Clark matchup will be interesting because Clark really will get into his handle for sure, which could cause problems for Preston. I think the size is just going to be a little bit too much. Um yeah, this is a big moment for a couple guys. I think the two guys that I'm really interested in are Preston and Trey Murphy. Because I think if both of those guys have really big NCAA tournaments, I mean, you could see them easily skyrocket into top 40 status uh, in this draft. And, like, got to go at that point for both of those guys. Juniors, um, you know, in the case of Trey Murphy, I believe he's a fourth-year guy. Uh, Trey Murphy, ridiculous shooter at six foot nine, has some real pop off of two feet as a cutter. Um, really efficient finisher. Okay defensively, not like a great defender by Virginia standards necessarily. Preston, on the other hand, just super, super high-level feel for the game ought to skyrocket uh, in terms of upward trajectory still going forward. If either of these guys make the Sweet 16 and they do it and their teams do it on their back, you're going to see a big push for both of those guys uh, come draft uh, in draft circles, I think. Yeah. And, and when you kind of look at the pod, too, I mean, we're, we're a little shaky on Creighton and UCSB. You win that game and maybe there's an upset like you can sneak into the Sweet 16 and, and play potentially Gonzaga. Trey Murphy, the defense will get better. He just he's he's outwardly said, like, I've never really played defense. And yeah. now he is. You have to play defense to play at, at Virginia. And with Preston, it's we've talked about his story. He was as close to being a, a regular college student at UCF as he is to being an NBA draft pick. So it's an incredible movement that he's had the last few years. And this is just uh, another like insane chapter that doesn't make a lot of sense. So rooting for both of those guys. Okay. Next up, we've got USC, Wichita State, Drake. And then Kansas and Eastern Washington. So USC has Evan Mobley, obviously. They also have Isaiah Mobley. I'm not super interested in any of their other guys. Like if I have to watch Drew Peterson take pull up <laughs> mid-range jumpers anymore, I'm it's going to make my head explode. Um, Ethan Anderson is... I wake up to at 2.30 in the morning from you too. Like, are they going to throw it to Evan Mobley to end the game or am I just going to like go crazy here? Yeah. Um... Ethan Anderson's like a really good college guard who has been injured a little bit this year. I want to see how he develops. He has a chance long-term maybe, but not there yet. Um, Wichita State has a kid named Ricky Council that I'm like super interested in. Should not go pro at all this year, period. Uh, Very interesting long-term at six foot six with like super long arms and very bouncy. Um, Tyson Etienne is their best player. He's a six foot two player. I would call him their point guard more than Altery Gilbert. Gilbert's been more of like a scorer, it feels like, when he's been on the court uh, to me this year, whereas Etienne's like kind of running the offense. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. And Tyson Etienne, also player that you're in the conference, I believe, too. Yeah. Like, I, I know that Gilbert has like the higher assist rate, but it just feels like in their big moments, like it's always Etienne uh, that they want the ball in the hands of. So, um, you know, at the end, 40% from three, good decision maker, two to one assist rate to turnover rate, good defender, um, just kind of a smaller guy. Dexter Dennis, um, you know, had potential at one point. I think he still is 
you know, maybe at some point a guy for Drake. Roman Penn is out for the year. He was their point guard, like really uh, kind of did everything in the backcourt for them. Since then, Joseph Yusufu has really stepped up. 38% shooter from three, really good scorer. Their best prospect, though, is Shanquan Hemphill, who's coming off of a foot injury. And, you know, six foot six wing doesn't shoot threes, but a good scorer, good rebounder. Uh, just kind of athletic guy that does everything uh, for them as a creator. Uh, I, I don't see anything here in terms of prospects for this year on either Kansas or Wichita State. Uh, maybe you could convince me Etienne leaves, but I'm not quite there. Uh, on Kansas, Jalen Wilson is out due to COVID, so he is just not there, so we're not going to spend much time on him. Marcus Garrett is the most interesting prospect in this game to me. Um, just an elite-level defender who continues to lead that team and be the most important player on it. I'm not a David McCormick guy. I, I don't really even... I understand that he scores a lot in college, but I don't love what he does as like a college basketball player in general uh christian brown is like semi-interesting to me just because he's a good shooter but he's been very inconsistent as a shooter this year and then oshai Ogbaji is just like a no feel guy for me um i've never really been a fan of his game uh in general uh on eastern washington Tanner Groves is a big guy who can step away and shoot a little bit. I was pretty interested in Jacob Davison coming into the year, uh, but he's like, is just not like really in there. Um, he's been like in and out of their games uh, over the last little while and has not been as successful as he was last year uh, when he was one of the best players in the big sky. Um, any, any exciting things there? Uh, among that pod who yeah I, I was wondering there uh, I, I had actually a coach tell me that they thought Davidson was gonna be player in the year in the preseason so you're right it, it is kind of ebbed and flowed back USC uh, I Mobley was really good in the Pac-12 tournament he put up big numbers and he was great in the short roll he was uh, aggressive in the lane when he caught he would look opposite just really good fluidity when he was getting to his moves there's like this fight a little bit I think for for spots two to five in the draft I, I think you tweeted or is on the athletic like 12 of the 14 potential lottery picks are playing in the tournament is that right i didn't tweet that but i think that uh it but i saw it somewhere i'm not trying, to, not trying to it, plagiarize but it's like that, that's that's rare i don't know if it's rare but it, it seems like it is in the last few years so you're actually going to get a, a a decent set of of games for guys and you want to see okay is, is he going to be aggressive from the jump and and block shots and rim run and he had one play I think it was in the second round of the the Pac-12 tournament where he faced up, went left, and dumped with his left, and it's like that is that's different. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of guys are are able to do that there. Kansas, I think David McCormick's getting there late, if I'm not mistaken. Too, I think he might have had some contact tracing thing, so I don't even know how much he'll necessarily play. Wichita State, Ricky Council, intriguing to me too. Played on our circuit with Team Felton. And he was a guy, I believe he signed late too. I'd have to, to look that up when they had, whenever it was, six transfers before the season started. I was advocating for him with a, a couple of the colleges. They didn't pull the trigger and Wichita State took him and it, it's clearly panned out. So those are the kind of guys I, I'd say I have my eyes on more than most. Oregon VCU and Iowa Grand Canyon in the next pod. Oregon VCU is one of the absolute best prospects of the first round. It's going to be Chris Duarte against Bones Highland. 
I could not be more pumped for that game. I think it's going to be incredible. Uh, if you're going to watch like a 7-10 game, uh, that's the one to me. Like I know that James Booknight's in the 7-10 games. I, I know that um, Florida, Virginia Tech both have some somewhat interesting prospects, but uh, Duarte versus Bones probably directly matching up on each other going to be an absolute blast to watch uh oregon has a couple interesting guys eugene omaruyi um uh lj figueroa as well i'm not really into folly dante guy uh vcu has hassan ward who is one of the most interesting defenders in the country to me uh six nine seven four wingspan moves like a wing really good rim protector watch him in this game uh, is like a potential weird pop-up prospect long-term. Iowa has Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp as the two prospects that I'm particularly interested in. Interested in. Grand Canyon has uh, Asbjorn Midgard and Alessandro Lever in their front court. Uh, actually, weirdly, one of the few mid-major teams that can match up with Iowa in the front court. So I'm a weird little matchup there. Like, I think that Iowa wins and doesn't really have a ton of issues. But if you told me there was like a weird two fifteen game, um, this one in the Ohio State Oral Roberts game that we'll talk about, the, those are the two that kind of are interesting to me. Yeah, Oregon VCU is the game I'm, I'm looking forward to the most. Chris Duarte, shooter for Oregon, shooting forty three percent from three on one hundred thirty five attempts, coming off being named third team All American, and then yeah, Bones Highland on VCU. They lost the A ten championship game to St Bonaventure. Just to kind of give a snapshot of who Bones is, he was scoreless in the first half of that game. He sat for the last 12 minutes with three fouls. And the kind of instant offense he can be, and, and I sort of envision for the next level, he rattled off 21 points in the second half. Uh, he's averaging 20 points per game, 19.5 points per game, 44% for the field, 37 for three. Slippery in the lane, likes to pull up off the bounce, can get hot really quickly. Hassan Ward also, like you mentioned, came on late. He played high school basketball in Springfield, Mass, down the road here. He played the spring of his senior year on our Under Armour circuit with NE6, was considering prep school. Uh, he's played 24 or more minutes every game since January 30th and really made his presence felt in that rotation. Can be a difference maker on the boards or quick duckins, lobs, those type of plays. The second round matchup there will be interesting regardless, because assuming that Iowa gets through, because then we're talking um, – good guards against Iowa, which I'm fascinated by uh, in a number of respects. Uh, I think if it's VCU, uh, Luca Garza would cause problems for Hassan Ward. Right. But <laughs> right. And, or- and Oregon has good bigs, like you said. Like They, yeah. they have the, the size to physically match up with Garza. I mean, Garza might be a little bit more skilled of a scorer, but you have those guys in Wieskamp and Duarte going up like that would be another good prospect matchup. Alright, down to the East region. Uh, Michigan is... Really interesting uh, because Isaiah Livers is, it seems, going to be out for a little while here, right? We're, we're not entirely yes. sure, right? Like how big of an injury that is? Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's a stress fracture if I'm not. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's right, right? Yeah. But uh, Franz Wagner is a potential lottery pick. Definitely a guy to pay attention to. Hunter Dickinson is a fascinating seven foot one throwback to like another era, essentially, like would be a first round pick in 1995 for sure coming out this year <laughs> yeah, right but it's just not going to be that like yeah, might, like might not be drafted then, this then, year yeah. <laughs> uh the way that the league has gone i think he should probably go back uh not really anyone else i'm super interested in on michigan right now they play one of mount st mary's or texas southern i'm not gonna lie to you i've not seen mount st mary's this year 
Um, I have seen Texas Southern play a couple times. They have Michael Weathers, who started his career, I believe, at Miami of Ohio and then transferred to Oklahoma State, got kicked out, and then went to Texas Southern. Well-traveled, yes. Well-traveled, um, good player, just well-traveled. Talented, and, talented yes. Yeah. Um, the interesting game in that pod is LSU-St. Bonaventure. Uh, this is... If not my favorite first round game, definitely in the top five. Uh, Cam Thomas, potential first round pick. Trenton Watford, potential draft pick. Uh, Javante Smart, who I still don't love, uh, turns the ball over too much. Uh, I don't, I, I weirdly still don't buy the shooting, even though I feel like everything from this year says I should buy the shooting. Um, but I don't. I actually like Darius Days quite a bit more than him as a prospect. Um, are you a Darius Days guy by chance? Uh, not really. I mean, I know he averages 12 and 8, and he struggled. He was only one for six in the SEC championship game, but they need him for some production value to, to get going. I mean, I think stylistically he fits a little bit with modern NBA stuff, but I don't think it's necessarily there right now. Yeah. Um, and then the two guys on Bonaventure that really interest me are Osun Osunii, who won the uh, A-10 Defensive Player of the Year award, just a ridiculous shot blocker, finishes. And then Kyle Lofton is a really underrated guard who plays their entire fucking game. And then... <laughs> like just has to make plays like a weird fit for the NBA. Cause he's not really quite a shooter, not like a hyper elite decision maker, but he's just kind of a gamer and makes it work. Yeah. For LSU. I mean, you, you obviously nailed it. Cam Thomas and Trenton Watford are the names to track Thomas averaging 23 points per game. His percentages have dropped since the beginning of the year, but he's still 41% from the field and 32% from three. He's a volume guy. He's taken 16 or more shots every game since January 16th. He's had 21 or more points in 11 of his last 13 well, I do say that, I do think he's been picking his spots a little bit better. In that Alabama game, he had a nice job zeroing in on Trent and Wofford. They can have a two-man game going back and forth. Wofford's really good, feasting on guys with lack of size. He can back it down, kick it out to Cam, kick it back out to Javante. They had that play under a minute left. They ended up losing, but they gave him the, the edge at the time. Uh, then Cam Thomas came down the next play and, and saw him on a drive and cutting Wofford. So they played off each other Watford is an interesting one to me six nine forward averaging 17 and seven he had 30 and eight in that lost alabama really had it going for a while likes to trail the play make some isolation drives reads uh could see him as a possible like malachi effect type candidate i i think he could maybe test the waters based on what we've kind of heard and javante smart yeah he's the steady hand but i don't necessarily view him as a nba guy uh not really a true point guard averages three turnovers a game the Bonnies won. They're just really good. I mean, they're 16 to 4 yeah. this year. They knocked, they knocked <laughs> off VCU in the A 10 championship game. And also, like, I'm not saying they're going to be Dayton because, like, Dayton was, like, a real national champion contender last year, but they don't have a senior on their roster. Yeah. And, like, they have five guys in double figures. Lofton averages 15, 5, and 4. Uh, 25% from three, which is kind of crazy. He's only taken 70 this year, so the percentages can rise and fall with a single make. But he's confident. I mean, despite that percentage, he went four for five in the A-10 championship game while racking up 23 points. He can play both guard spots. I don't, I don't know if the, the NBA fits there, but a uh, a great college player. And him and Osin, both products of uh, Putnam Science Academy. Can we uh, just note here as well, uh, Mark Schmidt is a fucking genius. And do, he's do very, you very, take very, this, very good. Do you want to take this time to, uh, as a Bostoner, uh, discuss Boston College's decision to not hire Mark Schmidt? <laughs> 
Um, hmm. Do I want to take this time? I'll just say he was a BC alum. He was passed over. Uh, he'll be a hot story where he kind of fits in the coach's carousel. What? Like only in New York, we we played there. St. Bonaventure when I was at UMass. I feel like I would say like an idiot, but uh, it's not like the best place on earth. And what he's been able to do there and recruit there and win there like really is incredible. And he is a fantastic coach. Yeah, it's uh, no disrespect to Earl Grant, but it's um, it's pretty staggering to me to not hire Mark Schmidt to that job. Um, that maybe I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm ten minutes from BC. We got to play. We got to play all our angles here. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Colorado, Georgetown, and Florida State, UNC, Greensboro. Colorado has McKinley Wright. Uh, you mentioned Deshaun Schwartz to me as someone that was interesting uh, before we were recording. I get it. Uh, you know, his knockdown 37% from three this year, but not really enough of an athlete. Long term, I really like Jabari Walker on that team. 63 yeah, true like, shooting percentage yeah. as a freshman, six foot eight, uh, 47% from three, like real long. Um, I want to see what he develops as athletically as he continues to work his way into his body. Additionally, I also want to bring up um, Tristan De Silva, who is Oscar De Silva's brother from Germany. I think long term, he's going to be pretty interesting as well. Again, not really a guy that plays a ton. Um, Maybe you could sell me Jariah Horn. Maybe you could sell me Eli Parquet. Um, I, I don't love either of those guys for the nba game but they strike me as really really good college players that maybe if they come back um continue to you know rise and do what they can but i think horn i mean god horn has been in college it feels like for five years now Uh, (laughs) five different schools yeah yeah so i I would think that he's probably going to go and play pro overseas next year um georgetown I'll be honest, like, I don't really love any of the prospects on this Georgetown team. Like, I've heard some cutest Wahab stuff. I I don't really get that. Um, Javon Blair is just, like, kind of your run-of-the-mill 6'4 guard. Uh, Chudier Bile, you know, 6'7 and can shoot a little bit. Jamarco Pickett, 6'9 and can shoot a little bit. Donald Carey, 6'5 and can shoot a little bit. Like That's, that's kind of what you got with this Georgetown team. Just a bunch of guys that are between 6'4 and 6'9 and can shoot a little bit. Uh, yeah, and they were 13-12 and 12 on the year, so they cracked 500 by winning the, the Piggies Tournament Championship at Madison Square Garden, and Patrick Ewing was um, berated by MSG officials for not wearing his credentials, so hopefully in the bubble they recognize him there a little bit. They seem a little bit, I don't want to say team of destiny, but like they beat Creighton handily. It was 73 to 48. That really wasn't like even a game. Beat down. And in like, like. In, in, a fun, <laughs> in a funky season too. I mean, Dante Harris, I think was tournament MVP and Dante played on our circuit with, with Bobby Mays and he didn't have a high major offer and they took a chance on him and he was very good down the stretch circling back for a second to colorado i I don't know how much of an impact jabari walker will have but i I echo what you're saying son of former nba player samaki walker he went to arizona uh, compass academy i'm sorry and he signed in april like he was kind of like plotting through a little bit of of mid-major stuff and guys didn't want to take a chance but i just remember watching him play and saying he could shoot and stretch the floor doing a little bit and 
maybe just a, a tuck away name for a few years down the road yeah maybe even next year to be honest like for real if we're, if we're gonna be honest about that like he might be ready next year florida state is scotty barnes obviously you know super high level prospect we've talked a lot about scotty on the show i don't need to know that we need to like dive deep uh mj walker is like a 24 year old senior who's really started to shoot it for florida state i i'll be honest i'm like kind of interested there uh who Florida State. Who else am I missing? Raekwon Gray Rayquan as well. Gray. I think Raekwon Gray is like a legit top 60 prospect in this class. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do. Six foot eight, 255 pounds, something like that. Super high level defender. I uh, can really guard one through, or maybe, well, maybe let's say two through five. I don't, yeah, think I don't he's, know if he's guarding ones, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's guarding ones necessarily. But draws fouls. You know, has improved as a free throw shooter a lot, uh, finishes at the basket, just kind of does it all for them. They have some other guys that are long term interesting. Anthony Polite is a six foot six shooter who hit 44% from three this year. Malik Osborne, six foot nine, uh, can shoot a little bit and step away. Balsha Koprivica, uh, you know, bigger seven foot one kid that at one point was like a top five recruit in his class who kind of slowed down but is now really starting to develop a bit more. Um, Sirdar Calhoun was a top top three juco player in his class last year right yeah both true yeah um wouldn't surprise me if he was really good next year like i actually think he might be like one of their guys next year um on the other side unc greensboro is isaiah miller who has a shot to end up being like a bottom end of the top 100 guy for me one of the absolute best athletes in college basketball like he he is going to try to throw down some unbelievable dunk in this game florida state might be a little too big for him to succeed but he's He's gonna gonna do something really really fun and i think he's going to be a uh summer league guy for sure yeah i I am interested to see kind of scotty barnes and is he going to continue to play within himself or does he have the draft whispers in his ear and look you're six to ten if you have a have a good game here score a few more points maybe move up uh, I'm curious if he gets to that earlier moves in, in the paint and elbow attacks and not so much as from the top of the key and pick and roll stuff. MJ Walker has been their best offensive player statistically. Just need him to not get too excited and also have him play within himself. Raekwon Gray, he's gotten more buzz lately. Is kind of like this, it's hard to say small ball style five because of his size, but he's wide and strong, does have good feet, very good in one-on-one situations, won't try to do too much. I love Isaiah Miller. I, I'm late to this party. I didn't watch much UNC Greensboro until they kind of made their run here. Uh, he's six foot tall and averaging 20 points per game and a walking highlight reel. I mean, it doesn't matter if people are in the lane. It's not like, a oh, here comes a fast break. Like, he's going to try to dunk if, like, a defender rotates and steps up. And we'll throw his body in. Yeah, seven rebounds a game. Uh, he had 26, 12, and 6 in the championship game versus Mercer. Loves the pick and roll. Can go either way with either hand. Hit short little fadeaways. Plays bigger than he is. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to see how we adjust to the nine guys Florida State's going to throw out there who are six foot nine with seven foot nine wingspans. <laughs> um, the next little pod here is BYU, UCLA, Michigan State, and then uh, Texas and Abilene Christian. So BYU does not really have a ton of guys I'm super interested in. Barcelo hit 48% from three this year. Uh, Caleb Lohner is maybe their most interesting long-term prospect, a really good rebounder who can step out and shoot a little bit, but yeah, not really like an NBA guy. Matt Harms, uh, people will be familiar with from his hair flipping days at Purdue. Uh, (laughs) Elite level rim protector won the WCC defensive player of the year this year, but 
uh, just not really an offensive threat in any way. Uh, they will be playing one of Michigan State or UCLA. Michigan State has Aaron Henry, who I believe is a potential first-round pick. We talked about Henry uh, quite a bit on the last two podcasts, so I don't know if we want to like dive super deep into him necessarily. Gabe Brown is interesting to me like i didn't think he was a legit six foot eight but i've heard from people now telling me like he's legitimately that big and he shoots 43 percent from three uh that that's always going to get you looks uh joey hauser just has not had the kind of year that we thought hauser was going to have uh going against them uh Josh Langford's just had a ton of injury issues. He's been a little bit better later this year. Um, Marcus Bingham has a lot of tools, but has not put together any of those tools yet. Uh, UCLA is Johnny Juzang being a hyper elite shooter who has not really knocked down shots thus far in his career uh, at the level commensurate with what we expected. It's, I mean, is, is he their best prospect? Uh, I think he is, right? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Jaime Jaquez, you could say, thirty-eight uh, percent from three. Shoots it, yeah. Kind of does a little bit of everything for UCLA, like pseudo post up. You know, great get for UCLA. Like, I think will probably be like a third team All American by the time he's a senior, but not a um, not like a pro laden roster. Weirdly, no. But Tiger Campbell's been really good, and and he was another kid ranked really highly as like a middle school player, and, and tapered off a little bit, and. He committed a few places, decommitted, ends up UCLA, and some people have wrote, written him off, but he's been good there. I mean, he, he's led them through injuries this season and, and guided them to the tournament, really. Yeah. Uh, going to Texas real quick. Texas has uh, Greg Brown and Kai Jones, obviously, both of whom have a real shot to go in the first round. What do we think of Kai Jones finish to the year? I, I don't really know what to make of it. Do you? I thought you were going to ask for Greg Brown's finish to the year. No, I don't, I don't know what to make of it either. I think Kai's still just like the flashes guy like when he yeah. had that possession i think last game taking off the rim going coast to coast and, and finishing and then i think he had a three at the top of the key like three possessions later maybe less and i just like man if he does that every year like we're really every game i'm sorry we're talking legitimate top 10 guy he might be top 10 guy anyway because people hope that they can get there um greg brown weird finish to the year like greg brown is not one of their five best players right now we won't no, i mean i think he played six minutes in that championship game he had like the the blow up at the end of the game before and a reporter asked shaka smart you know they think he benched him to start the game said is it to do with with that he said yes we have expectations here like it does have to do with that uh yeah. they won without him so you're, you're right i mean kai and, and greg weren't even really playing down the stretch for a lot of games but now uh i'm, I'm i want to see kind of what the rotation looks like in the tournament yeah, I mean, Greg Brown, 19 minutes combined in his last two games because of that little blow-up. That's uh, not a great sign going into the NCAA tournament. I hope that he figures it out. The two guys that uh, Texas should be excited about are Matt Coleman and Jericho Sims. Uh, have you heard some of the Jericho Sims excitement? Uh, we're starting to jump back on the Jericho Sims NBA player train, from what I gather. How heavy? How not, heavy are the train, are we? I mean, look, big, big two-way guy, strong. Two-way means he's drafted what, like... 46 46 to 60 maybe undrafted do a two-way yeah maybe i mean he's he's definitely been better toward the end of the year and we're talking about two nba bigs potentially in brown and and jones and and he's definitely the most consistent of the three 
I haven't heard the the build the buzz as much, but it's hard to kind of look back the production that he's had lately. And he's one of the best defensive bigs in the country. Like that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah he's um, big and strong. I mean, every game they want to show the the before and after pick of how much time he put in the weight room. Like we get it, he's yeah. enormous. And then the other guy's Matt Coleman. Uh, Matt Coleman has been so good this year. Uh, I, I'm going to be annoyed when he's not like a third team All American. To be honest, I, I don't know if. I, I, was he on the AP's third team All American team? I, I didn't see. Mm, I, I'm not sure. I think Cameron Crutwig was. I don't oh, know who God. Matt Coleman was. Oh God, um, Matt Coleman's really good. Thirty nine percent from three this year. Sixty one true shooting percentage. Really good. Just steady, solid point guard. Does everything that you could possibly ask from him. Um, really profiles nicely as a third point guard at the next level i think gonna have every opportunity to be that guy abilene christian does not really have any guys i'm interested in as nba players they play like super hyper aggressive defensively and then post up stuff on offense for their big seven foot white guy colton cole um three guys under six foot that they start if i remember correctly um yeah just not not really like a pro roster but that speaks exceptionally highly of what joe golding has been able to build um just just a ridiculously good um really really good coach yeah no you're right the, the coleman thing too he's such an alpha like he lives and dies with every play and he stomps his feet and he uh he dictates kind of how how texas goes and pulls those guys in okay connecticut james Booknight is the guy obviously we talked a good deal about book night last week uh on the show so i don't know that we're gonna dive deep into him here necessarily uh i'm also like sneaky in on um tyrese martin and isaiah whaley as being like 10 percent interesting and then adama sonogo is a long-term guy there that i want to pay attention to at maryland we've got uh dante scott we've got um Aaron Wiggins, uh, both of whom are on my top 100 board. Eric Ayala is just a really good college guard. Um, I've heard like maybe a couple of people get excited about Daryl Morsell uh, because of the defense. I'm not really right. there. Um, uh, the the matchups here to me that are going to be exciting are Dante Scott and Aaron Wiggins going against um, Tyrese Martin and Isaiah Whaley. I, I would imagine that those that that's kind of the crew that gets matched up against each other in this game. Um, and then uh, Daryl Morsell against James Booknight is the one that's going to get just ridiculous headlines because this is a fascinating showcase for Booknight. As it should. I mean, Booknight's ascended draft boards and subsequently struggled in the Big East tournament. He's a combined 8 for 25. He's 0 for 7 from 3, which is one of the things we talked about he's got to be able to do better at. He had some cramps and Danny Hurley called him overly dramatic, which I loved. He's going to have his hands full with Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Daryl Morsell. He's 6'5". He's tough. He's going to have to earn his points. That's the type of defender that will lock in on you every night in the NBA and book night with his size. Is he going to be able to withstand the physical nature that Morsell will bring, regardless of the, the guys who listed in R.J. Cole, Isaiah Whaley. Like they're, the Huskies going to go as book night does. Aaron Wiggins, probably the most intriguing draft guy for me on, on Maryland draft boards to kind of start the year. Then didn't quite meet expectations. Was a 41% three-point shooter from three as a freshman, and now he's about 33% at the same volume. But he has been the biggest piece for the Terps since the new year. Bumped up his points to about 14 a game. Donta Scott, probably a couple years away, six foot seven, forward, shoots 50% of the field, 43% from three, averages 11 and six in game shape. Wanted to get in a a little bit more toned up as we uh, we go forward here. I like Maryland starting five. 
UConn gets to their bench, it could get uh, could get a little interesting. Okay, then we've got Alabama and Iona. Uh, I have not watched Iona before the Rick Pitino um, apocalypse of him making the NCAA tournament. Uh, <laughs> like I, I saw Sante Gist and Isaiah Ross. I'm not going to be able to like be like break them down in terms of um, like how great they are as prospects. I don't. I didn't see anyone upon first glance that I was like, oh my god, this guy's an NBA player. Um, Alabama has John Petty, Herb Jones, Javon Quinterly kind of coming on a little bit. Uh, yeah. Was the SEC MVP of the tournament. Um, Josh Primo's the long-term guy there, but doesn't play quite as big of a role. You can maybe sell me on Jaden Shackelford. Just a bunch of really, really good college players that uh, profile best as second-round picks. Yeah, this is my favorite game from kind of a character standpoint. I love the Nate Oates after winning the SEC championship. He said, we're not a football school or a basketball school. We're a championship school. It was just perfect. It, it rivaled the the Jay Billis. He's not a star. He's a superstar. Despite the accolades, it still feels like the intangibles that Herb Jones do come a little bit underrated, undervalued. He's been at Alabama forever. And it, like, <laughs> he's, for a better term, lack of a better term, he's turned the tide there. Uh, I don't buy the shooting. I mean, he shot 7% from, from three. He was one for 14 last year. And this year he's 39% on 51 attempts. Also, probably time to give Javon Quinterly credit. He settled into kind of being this high major rotational player. Does have talent. It's never going to be a pro. That was kind of like the the knock once he transferred from Villanova. He couldn't get on the floor because of defense. But he's had double-digit figures every game since February 3rd. He's helped set the table for all those other guys. And just from a game perspective, to give Rick Pitino a week to to prepare and they want to trap and play fast like he could totally turn this thing on his head and slow it down just because that's the type of evil genius i'd say he is yeah uh okay next up the what is the south region with baylor hartford north carolina yeah, wisconsin um fascinating matchup if that almost regardless of what ends up happening in the first round here um with North Carolina and Wisconsin winning because Baylor is all guards and then Wisconsin and North Carolina are both kind of all bigs. Um, I really like North Carolina in that second game. Uh, Dayron Sharp, Armando Baycott, Walker Kessler, and Garrison Brooks plus Caleb Love, uh, Kerwin Walton also like kind of all six of those guys. Interesting prospects. You could sell me on a leaky black take, but I'm not there. Um, Wisconsin is Nate Reavers, Micah Potter. Uh, we're, Brad Davison's not an NBA prospect, but that's fine. Um, Baylor, you're talking Davion Mitchell. You're talking uh, Jared Butler. Should we have the Matthew Meyer discussion right now? It might be a little bit. He, he could be a candidate to, to bump a stock. Yeah. I think people are putting I mean, the cart low, low before key, the horse key. a little I mean, we've, bit. We've done it. Yeah, I agree. With Matthew Meyer. Um, I, I saw, I, I got an email that like, another draft person put him in the first round and i think that's like irresponsible just like straight up <laughs> that is irresponsible like, i'm just disappointed in you yeah like i think it is irresponsible to put matthew meyer in the first round um yeah. this guy Fair is coming enough. off of uh three points three points five points uh over the course of his last three games, he had the two breakout Oklahoma State West Virginia games where he had 18 and 19. The three games before that, zero points, two points, seven points. Um, he basically has a stretch where he has two straight really good games. And then uh, here, let's see, January 9th through January 23rd, two points, four points, zero points, five points. What are we doing? 
Like, no disrespect to Matthew Meyer. I think he is interesting long term. I think he's going to be great next year at Baylor. What in the fuck? are we doing <laughs> I, I i had the same reaction as much as i loved it to the the haircut with the kind of mullet with like the the racing stripe thunderbolt inside of his head that that was my initial take too like i, I love this guy he, he's not ready he's not draft ready that, that's okay like it, yeah it's, we're not we're not being haters like baylor has a chance to go on a run he'll be a, a major piece of that but he's not gonna leapfrog if he's a first round pick like you're leaping probably butler and maybe mitchell like i i just don't see that not right now Unless he does yeah. some crazy run, which stranger things have happened. In 2021-22, if you told me he is like averaging 15 points a game and does some shit, would not be surprised by any stretch. And I think he has a really good shot to be a great player at Baylor. I think he's going to be awesome at Baylor next year. He is not ready to go pro. Like, just period. Um, very skilled, very talented, can do a lot of different shit with the ball. Not ready yet, and that's fine. Uh, Macy O'Teague and Mark Vidal are the two guys kind of beneath the Butler and Mitchell tier. Um, I'll be honest, like, if I was running a team, I would bring Mark Vidal to my G League roster. Like, I would say, you are a priority for us. We aren't going to give you a two-way even. We're going to E-10 you, but, like, we're giving you a full E-10, and we really want you around next year. Yeah, I don't think that's that's crazy. Uh, I think uh, a couple NBA scouts have echoed that, too, as as wild as it may seem, kind of just based on his size and, and limited what he can do on the perimeter from a shooting perspective, what he does defensively kind of balances all that out. Uh, this Hartford team is led by Tracy Carter, who I have no idea how he is still in college. Um, started at Marquette in 2016, uh, went to LaSalle, transferred there in 2018, played 2019 there, um, transferred to Hartford, uh, before last season played Hartford last season played for Hartford this season he can be like he's almost 25 years old uh he's gonna be able to go back next year to college go back be 26 (laughs) be like one of these hockey players that go to juniors first and go to college and it's like hey you're a freshman how old are you I'm 23 okay I'm gonna go stand over here he yeah. like this this is a good time of year though too he's the Australian football punter at LSU (laughs) like yeah it's like uh you know, Chris Wanky was whatever thirty six when he was at Florida State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- th- this this is a good time of year though when those guys pop back up. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, he ended up there. That's crazy. Okay, uh, the next pod here: Villanova, Winthrop, and Purdue, North Texas. Uh, Villanova is the most interesting team here. Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Justin Moore. Uh, any of the Jermaine Samuels, Caleb Daniels, Cole Swider, Brandon Slater group interest you? Uh, interest, but don't really pop for kind of the discussion we're having right now. Great, yeah. great guy, solid role playing, but not like let's let's throw him on the NBA radar. Much more the the Jeremiah, where he was a, a top thirty ish guy, seems to be kind of in that like forty ish range now. Plays really the Villanova system at six foot nine. Doesn't try to do anything crazy. The shooting is going to be the swing, which is only hitting at 28 percent but it's a low volume so only taking 74 attempts had three straight double doubles and then 25 i'm sorry 26 and 6 in a one point loss to georgetown in that big east tournament so that that's one that i, I really want to follow and, and see what he does without gillespie out there too the other one that i'm fascinated by is brian antoine um do they use him a little bit more over the course of these next two games because uh or even in the winthrop game uh they have in their last three games since Colin Gillespie got injured uh, 10 
minutes, 22 minutes, nine minutes for Brian Antoine. Brian Antoine was McDonald's All-American, um, state player of the year in New Jersey, if I remember correctly, right? Yep, Team Rio. Very, very talented kid. Yeah, very talented. He's just dealt with injuries. Uh, potential, if he's healthy, potential to be a game-breaker. I just don't know what's going on with his body. Um Justin Moore, I think at some point is like first team all Big East, you know, maybe a draft pick at some point. They play Winthrop. A lot of really smart betters think Winthrop has a real shot in this game. Uh, this is the most important game of Chandler Vodren's career. He's like a six foot seven point guard who can handle the ball and can kind of do a lot of different shit. Uh, occasionally knocks down shots. I'm intrigued. Like, I want to see what he looks like against Villanova. He was not very good when they played high major teams last year, but he was kind of starting like his high her his division one career at that point. So maybe things will be a little bit different this time around. But he's the guy for Winthrop. Yeah, three triple doubles. Nearly had a fourth in the Big South quarterfinals versus Longwood. Does do a little bit of everything for them. Sort of inside and out. More like an angles pump fake type of guy, and not being you with speed. But they're. Uh, they're 23 and 1, and their only loss was by two to UNC Asheville. Four guys in double figures, so a balanced attack there, too. Okay. Uh, Purdue in North Texas. Purdue has just a lot of guys I'm really interested in for the future, none for this year. Uh, Jaden Ivey would be the top guy for me. Sub 50 true shooting percentage, but just super creative. Uh, six foot four guard, great frame, like looks like an NBA player in the future. Um, beyond him, Mason Gillis and Brandon Newman, like both wing size potential shooters sasha stefanovic like six foot five shooter um trevion williams is probably their best player right now but like six foot ten 270 like post up big zach Eady, seven foot four 290 pound just post up big uh jade nivey's the guy though there long term that i'm really interested in he'll, he'll get a matchup against javion hamlet memphis kid like i think kind of interesting like i think he's definitely a uh G League Summer League kind of candidate who probably doesn't make the NBA because I don't think he's quite skilled enough as a scorer to do so and um, maybe turns it over just a little bit too much. But I'm intrigued by Jamie on Hamlet enough where he'd be on my radar for the Summer League. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued, generally speaking, with Purdue and what they've been able to do and develop with Zach Eady because they just kind of like shuffle in seven foot two guys. It's like, oh, it's never going to work. And then it works. No, it's always going to work. Like if Purdue recruits a guy over seven foot one, I just assume they're doing it for a reason. They see something that I don't and exactly. that it's exactly. great. That's yeah, great. I mean, Zach Eady was at IMG Academy and he commits to Purdue. And I was like, I don't know. Like, if it's going to work, it's going to work in the Big Ten. It's going to work there. And it has. Right. Like, he was like conference player of the week the first week or two of the season. So that coaching staff knows what they're doing. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Matt Painter is Matt Painter does not get enough credit. He's fucking unbelievable. Okay, Texas Tech. Uh, Mac McClung, not really an NBA guy for me, but it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to declare. He tried to last year. Um, Terrence Shannon, six foot six wing, really good defensively. Has improved the jump shot over the course of the year. I'm not really a Terrence Shannon guy because I don't love his feel for the game, but there's a lot of tools there that are really interesting. I think he should go back and be like one of the best players in the Big 12 next year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Kyler Edwards is probably the last guy here that has any NBA interest. Six foot four wing, um, really, really can shoot the ball. For Utah State, uh, Utah State's going to have, for my money, the best player in this game in Nemius Keita. Uh, 
one of the best interior defenders in college basketball totally shuts down the paint um great rebounder uh has improved as a passer facilitator and has improved as a scorer this year Uh, i think he is a very real draft prospect this year yeah i was curious about this one when we're prepping here because i am worried about a little bit about his lift his quickness with his post moves he kind of overpowers people with his enormous size in the conference and he has 15 points 10 and a half I'm sorry, 10 rebounds, 3.2 blocks a game, which is incredible. Was an honorable mention, All-American. Just like as that that big kind of older school five, I take a little bit of pause in, in where he fits. Terrence Shannon, back in the starting lineup, had some time as a six-man for a while. Responded, especially in the scoring department. He had 18 points, four rebounds, two steals, and a one-point loss at Big 12 tournament against Texas. Uh, tools is the word. He has all the athletic tools at six foot six. really solid frame. Want him to keep slashing, mixing in threes once in a while. Could be a, a late first, early second name. I don't know if he falls there, but I would think he maybe at least dips his toes in and test the water. Uh, the three fourteen here is Arkansas Colgate. Moses Moody is, you know, obviously the guy for Arkansas. We've talked a lot about Moody this year. Um, go back to the many podcasts where we've talked about Moses Moody. Uh, just a super high level uh, scoring three and D probably one and done he'll be in the he'll be a lottery pick in all likelihood anyone else on arkansas really interest you like maybe you could sell me on jalen tate and justin smith uh jalen tate really good defender justin smith super athlete probably summer league guys but not much more yeah i don't know how much more of the sell this one is the nba storyline here is like how high can can moody crawl up draft boards could can he get all the way up to to six with some people defending depending on how the the lottery balls kind of fall yeah colgate is um jordan burns is a point guard he's a really good scorer good shooter kind of does everything there uh distributes as well look to me this one's all about like matt langle um the fact that colgate is as good as it is this is another guy where like i am blown away that he's not really being discussed as someone who should be hired colgate's a fucking impossible job and they've been really exceptionally good for the last four years yeah they've recruited well he's he's coached well he's in the mix for a couple atlantic 10 jobs he'll he'll continue to be there kind of for the the northeast stuff as as we move on yeah like the saint joe's thing is not working out saint joe's should have just hired him over billy yeah, he's there yeah right there i i don't know what they were doing um period florida against virginia tech and then ohio state oral roberts is this uh little pod here florida is trey man uh and scotty lewis are the two big names here um i've heard of some people who like omar Payne long term um you know noah Locke can knock down shots at six foot three colin castleton is like this six eleven kind of interior player but this is all trey man i think trey man is like a top 20 prospect in this class um six foot five just absolutely ridiculous uh ability to separate and get his shot right now and then scotty lewis is just a guy that has not panned out as an offensive player enough he's a really good defender but um long way to go offensively and i think you should go back to florida virginia tech on the other side i'm gonna give you the floor on virginia tech give me give me your aluma love my Kevin Aluma love? Yeah. Yes. I, I, look, we, we've covered this. Uh, I'm a story guy. So he grew up a soccer player, didn't play basketball until high school. He averaged 2.5 points per game as a freshman at Wofford, and now he's second team all ACC. I, I like, I'm just intrigued. He, he moves well at six foot nine plus, can hit from three when left open, has a high release. 
He's athletic, has pretty good footwork. He'll jump stop on the move. Uh, not entirely mechanical, but you can tell like it, it's just kind of like a repetitions thing. Some more on his post moves. Has some instincts in the glass to know where the ball is going. Pretty soft hands. Has some patience. Uh, I just probably not this year guy because he, he's still putting all the pieces together but has shown enough to pique my interest as a, a possible 22 draft pick do totally agree with that um he's the guy at virginia tech that really interests me um yeah i, I don't know that i really want to go into anyone else at this point there uh ohio state <laughs> EJ Le- you have the floor for this one I, I i wrote this down and my first line is i'm going to let you start here because this one feels like your wheelhouse i've got more angry ohio state text from you than than probably others so have the floor yeah ej liddell uh is their best prospect to me probably one of the six or seven best players in the big 10 this year i'd say six best players in the big 10 um gets to the line but he's like a six foot seven i mean like they played him at center a lot like next to seth towns without kyle young in the lineup so like i I don't really know what to do with ej liddell um probably needs to get into just like slightly better shape but i think he's he has gotten better though yeah for sure i think he's gonna probably be an nba player at some point if he does that Uh, i do think he's gonna shoot it Uh, i think that as long as he continues down that road the other guy i kind of like here like i i know that some people like Dwayne washington and i can't really get there as an nba player because i don't think he makes great decisions but i kind of sneaky like just assuming a lot um yeah I i don't hate that yeah, six seven wing, thirty seven percent from threes, sixty percent true shooting percentage. Turns it over a little bit too much, um, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued by him quite a bit. I also like it's funny. Like I like a lot of these guys. Like I like Zed Key long term is like an interesting maybe upside play. Um, you know, Justin Aaron's can shoot the ever loving fuck out of the ball. Like um, Eugene Brown is like a six foot six wing guy. Uh, like you could sell me Michi Johnson's interesting. Like it's a lot of guys where they just do a great job of finding who they're looking for. Right. And just nail it and like put them in the absolute peak position to succeed. Yeah. I really like Liddell. He's more than double his points at 16 a game this year. Ohio state uses them well offensively, kind of like the anchor for what they do to run their sets. Dwayne Washington, he had 32 in that game against Illinois. I was curious, kind of, where you had him as a, a draft guy on your board, but not a guy for right now. I think Oral Roberts is going to have the best player in this game, though. Ooh, um, that's not a hot, not super hot take, but I like it. Yeah, uh, Max Abmus is a six foot one guard who pulls up from all over the court, like it's absolutely nothing. Uh, took two hundred three point attempts this year, hit forty three percent of them, ninety percent from the line, sixty three point six true shooting percentage, like just an absolute scoring machine uh who can also pass like he's a really good playmaker out of pick and roll um look like I, i'm not telling him that he needs to leave oral roberts by all means like i don't mean oh, to I don't do this yeah try to steal paul mills's like best player or anything but like i'll tell you this i'd be fascinated to see him in a high major <laughs> yeah so you may as well saying it so yeah ace miss leading scorer in the ncaa like number one 24.2 yeah. points per game and the three-point thing's crazy because he's taken 208 of them and he's hit 90 he's had 13 games with four or more made threes and he loves driving to the paint he can lean in with his left shoulder finishes with his right he gets paint touches at will when he drives and, and knows how to maneuver with those little fades and spins too he's he's wired to score i think he's so good 
I, I think he is so good. <laughs> I love him. Um, and they also have Kevin, Kevin Obinor, who is their uh, 6'8 kind of pick and pop guy that they play with him, who also hit 46% of his threes this year. And like 24% defensive rebounding rate. Like if Ohio State doesn't have Kyle Young in this game, I think they have some real problems defending this pick and yeah, roll. Yeah, and no, it's going to be mean, fun. He, O'Banner, he he he's effective trying that break or making plays from the top of the key out it's of O'Banner, you're right. Pop. Yeah. Yeah. He he feasts on those slower footed defenders and switches, averages eighteen and nine. Uh, along with fifty percent from the field, forty seven from three, eighty eight from the free throw line. So it has a nice touch and I am excited to watch him and EJ Liddell go at it. Okay. Last region. Last one. Thanks for sticking around. Illinois Drexel, Loyal Chicago, Georgia Tech. Illinois, Iota Sunmu, um, Kofi Coburn. Adam Miller, long-term. Andre Curbelo, probably long-term, I would say. But, like, if Curbelo went off in this NCAA tournament, is he a Malachi guy? Uh, I mean, he, he could be. I think he, he is what he is. I don't, I don't mean that as a knock. Like, the the negative for Curbelo is always going to be his size, and that's not really changing. I mean, he's, he's a magician with the basketball, and he's kind of been, like, the catalyst to this late run here. But I, I hope he goes back to school. The sneaky problem with Curbelo is he can't really shoot from three yet either. Um, if that improves, yeah, I think nice. he's yeah. like a very interesting prospect, but he needs to improve from three. Um, Trent Frazier, I'm not really like a Trent Frazier guy, but 37% from three and really defends well. I think he's going to have a great career in Europe. I wouldn't hate it if a team said like, give you the full E10 and we want you on our G League team and we might call you up midway through the year next year, but I don't really think so. Um, Drexel, I haven't watched enough Drexel. I'm just going to be honest. I, I haven't seen enough of them this year. Yeah, I also don't want to give up on Adam Miller yet either. I mean, I, I know the numbers aren't, aren't there right here and right now, but as a long-term totally. guy. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Adam Miller is like a real long-term interesting prospect. He's just not a 2022 or 2021 prospect. Might be a 2022 like first-round pick, but not there yet. Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech has by far the most interesting like contrast like specific player matchup of any game in this entire first round because Cam Crutwig is like this old balding passing <laughs> like 260 pound yeah. center who is like the college basketball like Nikola Jokic and then Moses Wright for Georgia Tech tries to dunk every single ball it, that it, he's it's ever un, caught. It's in his unbelievable. Life. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the most important storyline here is that 101 year old Chaplin's sister Jean was cleared to travel. Did you see that? She hasn't been to a game all year, but has both doses of the COVID vaccine. She's there. This is a this is a sister Jean free podcast. <laughs> okay. We're, uh, we'll, edit, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. But we'll, we'll edit it in post. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you have Georgia Tech. They're coming off an AC championship. Uh, then you have this battle of the bigs with Cameron Courtworks and All-American. Moses Wright is player, ACC Player of the Year. Just a complete contrasting styles. Uh, Cameron Courtwig, he, he likes a more pace game in the half court. 6'9 <laughs> lefty. Can hit jumpers from the elbows. Pace is a good word. Uh, I like him in dribble handoffs and inside pick and yeah. rolls. Finish, finishes well around the basket. Purse energy is actually the 94th percentile in, in pick and roll man scoring. And they're very good. And they have a very good coach in Porter Mosier. They're ranked ninth on Ken Palm. They are number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. 
and then Georgia Tech wants to wants to push and have Jose Alvarado kind of pressure and get five steals a game. So it'll it'll be like you said, a very contrasting stylistic watch. I am so excited to see Cam Crutwig here in the NBL next year. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be your first um, interview for the year. Mike DeVo, Mike DeVoe, uh, interesting prospect. Jose Alvarado, like great player, great story really good defender uh has improved his overall efficiency as a scorer this year if they've if they would beat illinois and make the sweet 16 and by the way the moses wright kofi coburn matchup and the alvarado devoe matchup like the uh against i would assume and like their backward like i am fascinated by a potential georgia tech and illinois matchup i uh i, I like this georgia tech team a lot uh, I'm I'm very intrigued to see this Georgia Tech team play in the tournament. Yeah, I have to devote double figures in his last nine games. Had 20 in the AC championship game. They're they're putting the pieces together. Obviously, uh, early in the year, Josh Parishner said something like, "I think every team in the conference should make the the tournament." And people looked down; he's crazy. And then he goes out and and wins it, albeit in a, a COVID filled escape tournament. Also, but they did win. So here we are. Okay, <clears throat> Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Liberty. Oklahoma State is obviously Cade Cunningham. I don't really think they have too many other interesting prospects. I'm not really an ice-likely guy. Um, maybe you could sell me on Caleb Boone in two years once he gets up to like 240 pounds. Um, Liberty does not also really have anyone that I'm interested in. I'm also just not a Liberty guy. Um, no, don't don't need to dive deep into the um, quagmire that is Liberty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Tennessee has Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. If these if Oklahoma State and Tennessee get through both of their games, sets up the prospect matchup um, of the first two rounds in the NCAA tournament where we'll get Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer against Cade Cunningham. Which would be awesome. And we can't have nice things, so it never pans out. I'm really hoping I know, that right? Does. Yeah, it's like, there it is. Just win a game. It's like, no, it's not. People are even looking at, like, USC, like, oh, well, if they win, like, a couple then they could play oregon or uh, iowa down there it's like that's so far away but this is just one game each I, I have one kind of topical question you had an interview with Cade cunningham was it yesterday on the athletic um went live today i talked to Cade yesterday yeah very good very in-depth as a, a number one pick in the draft can you trust him when he said his favorite food is spaghetti yeah it was funny he he like really <laughs> it's like what's spaghetti like what in a turkey sandwich like i, I just thought that was uh i, I was off put by that it, it, it was like a deep pause like he like really racked his brain for a minute like i'll say that um it was not uh it was not a uh immediate response from Cade. but okay. uh yeah spaghetti you know some people have like really good family spaghetti recipes and that, you know? that's very very fair but maybe a piece of chicken on the side i don't know yeah um for oregon state the guy I'm probably most interested in is Warith Alatiche. Their big transfer from Nichols State last year, kind of 6'7", 200 pounds, um, you know, senior next year, kind of young for the class, if I remember correctly. Um, if he could ever shoot, I'm intrigued. Like 6'7", really good defender, athletic, kind of does a lot. Yeah. I think you, uh, I think you nailed it there, and they they won some games, obviously, in that Pac-12 tournament and surprised some people. But they had a good year; they're seventeen and twelve. Okay, um, our second to last little pot here: San Diego State, Syracuse, West Virginia, Moorhead State. 
San Diego State Syracuse is interesting because San Diego State has Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle. Mitchell is like a top 70 guy for me. Jordan Shackle is a shot to get on the list at the end of the year after guys return to school. Uh, Syracuse has Quincy Garrier, Alan Griffin, Kadari Richmond. I mean, we are we at the point where we have to throw Buddy Bayheim into this conversation? Don't have to. You don't want to. You're a show. <laughs> um... I think he's he scores a lot. Yeah, Um, he's the fourth guy though uh, among that group for sure. But the interesting thing is that Garrier, Allen Griffin are probably going to be the guys that match up specifically against Matt Mitchell and um, Jordan Shackle. So that has potential to be like kind of an underrated, fun prospect matchup on the wing that actually could tell evaluators like quite a bit about where those guys are as prospects. Yeah, Garrier too. Like he's he's probably their best all around player. But I, I know you drive the Kadari train fan club yeah. pretty pretty intently too. Yeah, I mean Kadari is their best prospect by far. Um, ridiculous defender in their zone, drives all of the action. I will be fascinated to see what they do with their uh, with with essentially just what their um, lineup choices are because I think he needs to play. But we'll see. Uh, West Virginia is Deuce McBride. And I guess Jarrett Culver, but I don't know that I need to throw Jarrett Culver into that, you know, kind of mix just because he still can't really finish inside well enough. And yeah, just kind of all over the place. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's fair. Uh, where, where are you kind of at with Deuce Brad right now? I, I think mean, he's really a higher on your board than most, right? Yeah, really good shooter, really good decision maker with the ball in his hands. Um, may- maybe takes a few too many bad shots, but when he decides to pass, like he makes plays well. Um, draws f- fouls like inside, just kind of does like a little bit of everything, and he's a pretty good defender as well. Um, you know, backup point guard, that kind of is exactly what you're looking for, I feel like. Yeah. He, I mean, does he go back to school? Does he test? What are, what are we kind of feeling out here? I don't know. I I don't know what his um I don't know what his desires are. Like I'm I'm not going to sit here and like guess on that front. But uh, I think he'd certainly get a lot of NBA interest if he decides to declare. Yeah, definitely the defense too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, Morehead State. I have only watched the Morehead State Belmont game. Um, their best player for me was the broom kid who's like 610 and he's just like kind of a big yeah you know more than me there okay um last thing clemson Rutgers, houston cleveland state uh i, I just got a shout out amir sims man um we're, we're all he lead, about he, lead, he leads them in like every statistical category i think oh yeah it's great and then yesterday um amir sims someone asked him like what he thinks of the bubble and he goes i'm a homebody so any environment outside of my bedroom is uncomfortable to me and it's like it's like dude you've been there for four days like <laughs> i have there for like three weeks i totally get it like you're on the road you want your own bed totally understand but you gotta just uh get used to the marriott i guess whatever you're doing no i've never felt more seen than when amir sims uh just there are, make it your own. It's like the NBA bubble. Like bring bring an egg crate, bring a weighted blanket. Like you can spice it up a little bit. There are dozens of us. There are dozens of us, <laughs> Matt Penny. Um, right. Amir Sims is the guy there. He's really the only interesting prospect on Clemson, in my opinion. Rutgers uh, is Ron Baker or Ron Harper Jr. Good lord, Geo Baker got combined with Ron Harper there in my brain for a second. Ron Harper just hasn't quite gotten up to the level that I was hoping. 
do you have any interest in miles johnson i do a little bit yeah he, yeah he's like averaging eight points at rebounds like two and a half blocks a game at six foot 11 he's richard jr could be another name for 2022 i'm, I'm very anti drafting bigs but i see like what he could do as a an nba five yeah um okay last team here houston and cleveland state cleveland state does not really have anyone um tory Patton, i believe is their best player just kind of like a normal collegiate wing um like power wing kind of guy houston quentin grimes Dejon Juro, Tremont Mark, all of whom are kind of interesting to me. You might even be able to sell me on like Justin Gorham as like kind of a super tough dude who does a lot of shit. But yeah, I think that it's mostly Grimes, Juro, and maybe long term Mark if he can figure out how to shoot. Yeah, and what a what a bounce back from Quentin Grimes. We talked about it maybe two pods ago or something, but he, he transferred and has become this all American candidate and actually improved his game. His shot looks quicker. He's playing with more confidence and has kind of like panned out really like if you told him when he was in high school that this is what his career is going to be and didn't tell him what college was he would say like yeah that's that's exactly what i want and houston is like this sneaky extra high major school in this tournament that was yeah. um 24 and 3 like that they don't get a, a lot of love when we talk about the top three or four teams in the country either uh your favorite first round matchup of prospects it's got to be bones right like it's yeah. got to be i i love vcu and Oregon, that's probably my for prospects. That's my favorite first round matchup. Yeah, Bones Duarte is also mine. I could not be more excited. Um, favorite second round has got to be Tennessee and Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma State. Yeah, no question. Okay, fingers crossed. Matt, Matt Penny, we went much longer than I wanted to because, of course, we did. Uh, have you watched anything interesting before we get out of here? Interesting. Uh, this is March, so I've I've uh, it's a trademark. This is actually the month of March, so I watched uh, top, top class on uh, uh, was it who I don't know what it was, but that was on Sierra Canyon's high school season with BJ Boston and Sire Williams, and then I, I just started uh, Last Chance You with um, basketball, JUCO basketball. So I'm, I'm one episode into that. I'm all basketball in March. <laughs> so yesterday I took like three hours off. Basically, I watched. This movie called Assassins, it's this documentary about these two, uh, like, 20-something-year-old women who, I, I'm, like, trying to describe it without giving away too much. Um, <laughs> you say this about every movie, like, I don't want to say, it's a horror movie, it's like, I don't know where you find these things. So, this one is a documentary, and it is about these two women that essentially like killed uh kim jong nam who is kim jong un's brother uh, and a, oh was that i don't want to give it away but was that the they thought they're on like a reality show type thing yes yeah yeah and it's yeah. about that yeah okay. it's i'm interested i read the rolling stone article when it came out yeah it's crazy like was one of the most like wild documentaries i've seen in a while like very basic like by the book documentary but just fucking nuts story and then after that i watched grand isle with nicholas cage and kelsey Grammer doing southern louisiana accents (laughs) (laughs) if if nicholas cage doesn't have his hair blowing in the wind like conair i don't want to watch it oh no he does oh perfect i'm in this is it it's one of the worst movies i've seen in a long time it is (laughs) absolutely terrible (laughs) it was so bad i choked yeah every conceivable way it was so bad um 
not not even like enjoyable bad just holy shit what am i watching bad <laughs> yeah it happens sometimes um all right penny tell the people where they can find your work tell the people what you want to tell them before that we get into this ncaa tournament deal what does that mean i, 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 I don't know like what do you got like something. get it Give us give us something exciting. I don't know. Just tell them where to find your work too. Something exciting. I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. I was uh, quickly posting an Isaiah Jackson video before we came on the air here. Um, yeah, I'm excited for a, a ton of games, and uh, let's let's knock on wood that it happens. We've been uh, fairly safe here thus far, and guys are getting the fresh air time, and we'll be uh, in the gyms shortly. Okay. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. I've had like a million articles go up. I've done NBA Trade Big Board. I've done uh, Mock Draft. I've done Cade Cunningham Interview. Um, I did Best Bets, my first, my favorite first round picks for this upcoming first round. Um, go read all of that work. Subscribe. Everything like that. Uh, we have a really great special on right now. We also have a really great special with BetMGM, so take advantage of that. Um, but until next time, we will talk soon. Bye. Bye.